The show starts in three, two, one. There goes that man's jockstrap. <laughs> oh my God, did you see that? <laughs> America's team? Yeah, right. Oh, baby, it's a big day in sports. There's nothing like battling it out with your teammates all season long to go win a championship. Green Bay's got it this year. Huge move for him. I think it's going to be a game changer. We have a lot to talk about this busy week in the sports world. Welcome to the In a League of Their Own podcast. The In a League of Their Own podcast is brought to you by Golf Kicks. Screw your shoes. Buy Canadips. Rep Sports. Buy Smooth My Balls. And buy Streamer Loot. Check out the In the League of Their Own merch line today. Welcome to the show. Let's see what Austin and Colin are diving into today. Yeah, excited that the Olympics are finally underway this weekend. Uh, get to watch USA Basketball um, on Sunday, see how that opener goes. Uh, we'll get more into that in a little bit here. Going over to the NFL, uh, what's the latest over there? To me personally, I'm going to start with what I think is the biggest news, and that is DeAndre Hopkins coming out and saying um, how he never thought that putting him putting his teammate team in a position to lose all because he doesn't want to get a vaccine. Um, it's kind of like bullshit, basically. And he was the only he later deleted that tweet, so it was removed from the internet. But there was. There's like a lot stirring. I've been listening to a lot of uh, people talking about this. There's still two teams that are still nowhere near 50% vaccinated. There's still a handful of big time players that are refusing to get the vaccine. Um, And then the NFL cracking down and basically stating if anybody gets COVID and you have to miss games or whatever, it's going to be an automatic forfeit and it's not going to be a rescheduled or anything. So I feel like this is uh, kind of a cheap shot almost by the NFL forcing these players now to basically have to get the vaccine or almost be willing to take a loss if for whatever reason something were to happen. But then that's what I don't get, though. Even if you get vaccinated, you can still get COVID and still have to miss time. So is that still if you've gotten the vaccine and then you still have to miss time and they can't reschedule? So I feel yeah, like the NFL just said, doesn't even really know what, what they're doing at this point. I feel like they're just trying to get everybody vaccinated and could kind of go as it goes. But, yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense. No, it's definitely a big power move by the NFL to try to take more control of the players yet again. Um, it seems like kind of this offseason that the tables have kind of turned the players' way with players like, like Rodgers, like um, – Stefan Gilmore, um, Russell Wilson, kind of some of these big name guys kind of taking control of their own destiny um, in a way of kind of speaking out on how they feel about things. Seems like this is kind of a power move for the NFL to kind of get that control back. Um, and yeah, like you're saying, it whether you're vaccinated or not, it seems like that does by their current rules, it wouldn't make it wouldn't matter because it says if there are so many positive tests a team will be forced to forfeit. And like you said, there's been plenty of athletes, plenty of people who are vaccinated that still get COVID test positive. So whether you have the vaccine or not, you're in danger of hurting your team. So I can see how D hop is kind of taking this on the chin as kind of the NFL targeting players like him who haven't got vaccinated basically by saying, well, if your team's forced to forfeit, everybody's going to turn and point their finger to the non-vaccinated players but go look at the statistics. I guarantee not every single person who tests positive is going to be unvaccinated. So um, I could see where the NFL is coming from again, trying to take control of this, but um, D hop kind of people's rights. Yeah. And D hop kind of exposed that right away. And then obviously realized that he's going to have kind of the wrath of the NFL come down on him. If he had allowed that tweet to stay out and get traction and more players comment on it and get behind it and stuff. So, um, I mean, I would have loved to see him keep it up there because it'd be nice to see kind of a player's uh, revolution start behind that. If enough guys got behind him and said, this is bullshit, but um the nfl probably told them to take it down or you're gonna get fined yeah or the team yeah it was like hey if this stays up and this and this happens you're gonna get a fine so he's like yeah whatever i'll take it down then but because you can't say nothing controversial about the nfl's as far as like rules that they make Mm -hmm. openly at least yeah unless you really want to put your job in jeopardy 
Yeah. And then going back quick to a name that I just mentioned a minute ago, Stefan Gilmore, after questions of him holding out for the season, um, he reports the team's training camp today. So um, looks like he's at least going to try to stick it out, try to at least do some talks. Um, I could see him kind of being in a very similar boat as Rogers where fine, I'll come back, play one more year. So long as you give me unrestricted, um, rights next year to be able to walk and go where I want to. So um, we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where that's at. Yeah. A little bit more on that as well. I, I have heard through some of the media and stuff that I've listened to and a uh, local guy um, out there. He said that the reason that Gilmore showed up is because the Patriots, they've got some working behind the scenes um, where they're going to be moving him. And in order for them to move him, I guess one of the requirements was that he had to come back and participate. He's got to be there until they can find a place to move him. Like, he can't just say, fuck you guys, move me. Yeah. He's at least got to show up and do his work, and then they're going to move him. So Yeah. Well, by showing up to... That's going to be a big guy that's going to be available out there. He's a a very good corner. Yeah. Well, by showing up to that may... Uh, if he just didn't show up whatsoever, he probably technically isn't put on the roster then because it's like he's a no-show for the roster. So that makes sense to where, all right, if you want us to move you, you have to continue to be a player on our roster, involved in activities so that we can eventually move you. So, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know what his contract is like. Yeah, I don't know either. It might have been um, – I think that it was – Last year was talks of like an extension. So I'm sure it was just like uh like the player option, like a final year player option is probably what he ended up doing. Um uh, let's see here. Cause in the NFL, the NBA is the only league with player options. That's the only one where the player can literally say, I want to stay or I'm going away. So this is his last season of his guaranteed contract. Oh, okay. He's er he gets um Do, 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 do. Guaranteed money. Okay, so he gets seven million dollars guaranteed this season with a three point six million dollar from his signing bonus that he also gets when he originally signed. Then every being on the roster, he gets an additional 411,000. Every game that he plays in, he gets $156,250 up to $2.5 million. And then if he wins the defensive player of the year this season, he gets $2 million additional. But yeah, this is the last season of his contract, basically. Okay. And if he went to show it up, he would have costed the Patriots $16 million in dead cap space. <laughs> so he would have fucked. Basically, they would have been fucked if he wanted to yeah. show up. But yeah, he's a free agent after the season, un, unsigned free agent, so he's not protected or anything like that. So, And he's 31 years old this season. He'll be 32 next year. So I don't know. He's still, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say he's the youngest guy in the league anymore, but he can still play, you know, he's still a dominant cornerback. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of uh, interesting, I guess, situation with that deal. And then um, right before we went live here, I saw breaking news within the Packers organization that long-term negotiations between Devontae Adams and the Packers have stalled this morning as the front office is now going to be under more heat um, dealing now with now the drama with Adams and with Rogers at the same time. So, yeah, this is also another one of those moves. Um, this, the, this was old news um, during like this happened a while ago. I don't know why green Bay, some guy, I forgot who made the point yesterday, but they made a really good point. Um, with this whole situation between Rodgers and Adams basically not signing extensions. And it was like, if you want someone to stick around, you don't sit there and continue to talk to the media and continue to talk to the news. You kind of want just want to let things 
progress and happen as they happen without, you know, saying anything that could disgruntle somebody or vice versa, where it seems like the Packers at this point are continuing to put their foot down and, and also, and it seems like they're forcing him to make his move a lot earlier than he's like, whatever he's planning to do. They're almost trying to like force his hand and I don't like it. And Devonte Adams as well. Obviously him and Rogers are boys. I guarantee you both of those guys know exactly what each other is going to do. Um, and that's why I'm, I'm still convinced that this is going to be the last season that we see both of those guys in a Packers uniform. Yeah. I mean, it kind of like what you said with, if you want to keep a guy, you take care of things one quickly and two behind closed doors and not let the media blow it out of proportion. And the Packers haven't done either of those. Um, the longer, the longer this goes out, the more, the more you're tarnishing that relationship between that organization and that player. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the details of everything obviously will come out when they come out, when it's all said and done, whether, um, these, when these players leave or if they stay, but yeah. And that's a thing also that I forgot to mention too, that the person I forgot who mentioned it, but when you want to get rid of somebody, you start finding details and you start letting out little minor details. Like they didn't have to say Rogers would have been the highest paid quarterback, yada, yada, yada. The rod, we offered him this, you know, where they're starting to almost find details to point the finger to be like, Hey, maybe, maybe this just isn't what, you know, they're kind of turning. It seems like on what they originally said in the beginning of time. Yeah. We will see here as the time keeps going on. Like I said, I think silence is better than hearing people pointing fingers at each other, but all it seems right now that the Packers organization is flustered and they don't know what to do. And they're kind of releasing all these stories and reports and trying to get something, the ball moving a little bit, but knowing Rogers and Devonte Adams, they both seem like they are really confident in who they are as people. And yeah. I don't think that they're going to be bullied into a situation that they don't want. So I have a feeling this, this could end very ugly. Yeah. Yeah. They both know their worth. They're both not going to settle for the Packers sliding something across the table. And like, this is what we can offer you. And they know that damn well, that that's not what they're worth. That's not what the Packers could offer or can offer them. So, um, yeah, it is going to end ugly. At this point, it's going to end ugly. With this being this close to the season and having your two most important guys on your on your offense and on your not team as a whole, not wanting to be there, that changes the whole culture of that team where you start to get more and more guys on board. I want out, I want out. And guys starting to find a voice for themselves, some of the younger players, basically going to be throwing the whole organization under the bus all of a sudden you have a bunch of guys leave and then nobody wants to come in unless they see change. So um, in a very short amount of time, the Packers could become one of the lowest teams in the NFL. <laughs> I was going to say no offense to the Detroit lions fans, but like we could become the Detroit lions for like th- this next era. If that's what happens and like good for the line, you know, like they've finally almost got back out of it now. Like yeah, the last time they were good was when they had Barry Sanders. And then all of a sudden he retires in the midst of his prime and then they go to a shit team. And then, you know, you have Megatron decides to retire in the middle of his prime. And then all of a sudden they went through a big struggle. You know, they almost went 0 and 16 or did they go? They did go 0 and 16. Yeah. So like, they went, <laughs> they went winless in a season, which is very difficult to do when, you know, you're out there busting your balls every single game and you're about to win, you know, you're about to win one at some point and they didn't, they kind of revamped new coaches, new owners, new all this. They kind of rechanged their whole thing. And now they're finally like back on track of turning that organization around. Same with like the Browns who were so shitty for so long. Look at what they've done. You know what I mean? Every good team's dynasty comes to an end at some point. Mm-hmm. And this could be the falling out when you have poor management, not knowing how to keep the temperature in the room comfortable for everybody, you know, making sure everybody wants to be there, especially when it's your two most, I'm, I'm not going to say imp- like important players because everybody's important, obviously on a football field, but like these two guys are superstars and you're just basically treating them like dirt. You're not 
it's like they don't realize how special these two players are. Mm-hmm. And that's like the Packers' whole mantra. It's like been their whole time ever since I've been a kid. It's they don't really give no special treatment to anybody. Everybody's the same. And we're really great at developing young players. And then for whatever reason, they leave and then they go have success wherever they go. And it'd be nice if we could change that culture and actually be a place where players want to come play. And, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, we don't get any free agents or anything. Like, no, it's a small market. Nobody wants to come here because I feel like through the grapevine people talk about how the organization is all that kind of stuff and clearly this is on a whole display to the world day by day of how terrible managed the green bay packers organization is like this is like a laughing stock issue to the rest of the league like basically saying you're fucking not you don't have rogers like on a deal like you're not doing whatever that guy says mm-hmm. like you guys are idiots mm. Because every every team that he would go to, they'd give him the keys. Yeah. Yeah, easily. But again, that all comes back to the the management, not having an owner where instead of one guy calling the shots, it's a room of three, four guys that are all buddy-buddy with each other that all want the equal amount of power that don't distribute any of it to the players. And they just... And it's it's such a mess with how that with how that team is again with having shareholders and basically how the team is worth like almost four billion dollars and if you'd want to buy out all the shares of everybody it'd be close to nine ten billion dollars for if somebody wanted to come in and buy the team if that's even possible they'd have to pay more than double what the team is worth to even probably have a chance to buy it so um, unless somebody can find a loophole with that I feel like it's especially with the the condition of the team now and no, nobody nobody's going to come in out of nowhere and say I'll buy the team here's the money and then they take it over and start a new um dynasty in green bay that's not going to happen especially with how it is now um but yeah i mean like you said every good dynasty comes to an end the the lower teams rise up again like the dolphins and jags those are two other teams the jets they're kind of back on the right track um and it, it's, I mean, it's kind of it, over time, teams kind of take their lulls where they go up and down. This is, in this case, the Packers are forcing the lull on themselves. It's not just a matter of time where you, all your good players retire or leave or a coach retires or leaves. It's all your own doing in literally one to two years time that you're just making your team go off a cliff. Um yeah, it's going to be ugly. Um, there's only a few short weeks until the preseason starts and a little over a month till week one. So um, they have a very short amount of time to figure out something that they're not going to be able to figure out in that time frame. So, but yeah, um, I guess kind of talking about guys not getting paid and not getting their deals. Uh, one person who did, uh, Fred Warner, becomes the highest paid linebacker in the NFL with a five-year, uh, $95 million contract. I think it was like 39 or $40 million of it guaranteed. So great to see a guy like that getting paid. Um, paving the way for the rest of them. Yeah. His linebackers who are really young and really good. It's just paving the way for that position, which is awesome. Everybody wants to move the needle forward. Congratulations, Fred Warner, on getting your bag, man. You deserve it. Yeah. And one another one being Darius Leonard uh, on the Colts. There's talks of him um, next week. Uh, he's very good, too. Surpa- to surpassing that. I was going to say I wouldn't be surprised if he pe- – because he's their, he's their cornerstone on their defense. He has yeah. been, I'm, I'd say, probably $110 million maybe. Yeah. Well, they're saying Leonard's deal would be four, uh, probably four years. So whatever that, so it'd be probably like four years, a hundred million. If it was, if it's five years, yeah, closer to probably a hundred, a hundred, five, hundred and ten. But I don't know, for whatever reason, they're saying, oh, he'd only signed a four year, not a five year deal. So, um, but yeah, like you said, it's paving the way for all these young guys. Um, he gets to enjoy being the highest paid guy for, a, a couple of days, a week, two weeks, however long it's going to be. And then the next guy who gets paid, it's just everybody keeps bumping up. So, well, and that's how you continue to get younger players wanting to play those positions. 
is people getting paid. You know, if like the next, it's going to be after the linebackers, like I said, it's probably going to be linemen who you're going to start seeing contracts just go through the roof because you know, everything's a circle at some, you know, at some point that's going to come around full circle. Mm -hmm. It's just, who knows how long that's going to be. So, well, the linemen were actually kind of before this because Trent Williams got his deal to pass Bakhtiari as the highest paid. So the linemen kind of went through their stint. Um, like Quinn that Nelson, just, that was just the guard position, though, right? A tackle, the tackle. Trent, Trent Williams is a tackle. Is Bakhtiari a tackle, too? Yeah, yeah. So that was the tackle position, and I want to say that that was left tackle, too. Yep. Yeah, backside. Yeah, that was well. That's how quarterbacks got it first. Then, then left tackle tackles because they're the guy protecting the guy. Then it went to the wide receivers because they're the one catching the ball, and now it's going to the linebackers, the guys who are well. It kind of went to the tight ends because Kittle and them and Kelsey they got paid massive deals, and then now it's to the linebackers, the guys that are covering the tight ends. It's like whichever position gets that boost, the guys who's recovering them gets the pay boost too. Yeah. It almost seems like like linemen, like edge rush, <clears throat> edge rushers are kind of due for a big deal. Khalil Mack was kind of the last big deal that That's happened. Like that was two or three ago. years ago. I thought that was like eight years ago. Eight years ago. I don't think he was in the league. <laughs> I was like, really? yeah, he's only been in Chicago for like three years. Eight years ago would have been probably his rookie season in when they were in Oakland. Uh, in 20, yeah, so three years ago, 2018. Yeah. Yeah, that was his year, his first year with Chicago. And then. Yeah, that's like, when he signed his big deal with Chicago. And I don't remember how long he was with the Raiders, like probably three or four years as well. Yeah, I don't know. It says he's got seven years experience in the NFL. So you would have, he's he's got got been three, four years. and he's got three, to, well. Technically, yeah, technically three. Yeah, so you had four years four in years Oakland. Ago. Yeah, because he signed a six-year, $141 million deal guaranteed, 60 at signing, and then $90 million total guaranteed. And then he has all these fucking crazy, crazy roster bonuses. Like in 2019, if he was just on the roster, he got an additional $4 million. 2020, if he was on the roster, $3.7 million. In 2022, if he's on the roster, $12 million. <laughs> it's just insane. And then per game, he gets play, paid extra bonus, $11,000. Like, the way that he set up his contract, he raked, he raked in the cash, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think what other positions would be next. I mean, if it's been three years since he's got that deal, it's probably going to be back to the edge rushers. As yeah, but the edge rushers aren't as good anymore, dude. They're not. There's not as pivotal of a position as they used to be because the rules changed. Like the I think they're more. Hit. I don't think the quarterback getting hit numbers are down. Total in total. Yeah. I feel like it's going to be more important than ever this year with how fast the how fast the receivers are getting, how much faster and versatile the tight ends are getting. That just means the quicker decision making, quicker. the quicker decision making of of all the receivers. You're going to the edge rush position is going to be that much more important to where they got to get there faster to affect the quarterback now. Yeah, I, for some reason, just how quick the quarterbacks throw the ball. I just feel like the edge rush position is kind of being like phased out almost. Like it was so such a huge deal back then getting a huge edge rusher, huge edge rusher. That was like the biggest deal. And now it's kind of you need you want corners and safeties over or or you want a linebacker over an edge rusher. They just do so much more. Yeah. It's like becoming I don't want to say it. It's becoming a how many points the NFL is becoming a scoring league 
kind of like the NHL made that push too of like more skill, more speed means more points. So like, I feel like less inclination is being put into defense. It's all becoming like corners, safeties, linebackers, like the seven on seven positions where you can have a lot of speed moving around and like the line kind of all around even positions are kind of not even being really used that much anymore because it's a scheme of the line. It's not really one-on-one battles. You know what I mean? So yeah. well, I just it's feel like the way that, and it's all a lot more is becoming shotgun. It's a lot more you're seeing that almost run in high school and now everywhere across the country because that's it's all passing. It's all passing. NFL wants to see 40 to 35, you know, 50 to 40. The fans want to see that too. You know what I mean? Like everybody wants to see people score and celebrate touchdowns and all that stuff. So yeah, the NFL is kind of tailoring the rules and doing everything that they can, I feel like, to fill that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 2020 was the highest scoring season in, in history. So And now we're adding a game. Yeah, adding a game, so that's going to get crushed again. Um, Yeah, there aren't very many teams. I can't think of one that's kind of a run first. I mean, Carolina might be the only one, depending on how Sam Darnold starts. And when you got Christian McCaffrey behind as your running back, um, that's kind of a run first team there, but. And then you like as far as that goes too, you have to look at how many great quarterbacks are in the league right now. A lot. Yeah. So obviously, you're seeing them throw the ball a lot more. When that when there's not that many great quarterbacks, maybe the NFL. That's when they start changing some of their rules again, and then all of a sudden it's back to the linemen and the fullbacks and the running backs, and it's ground and pound because that's how it was for so long. Yeah. Until we got well, like, this let's take it such as crazy good quarterbacks. Yeah. One, the, the league's become that much more safer where it's it's safer for a guy to burn a cornerback, run for a touchdown without getting touched to where if you, during run play, you got 300-pound linemen on both sides fucking crushing into each other. And then you got a running back who's got explosiveness running from f- five to seven yards in the backfield at that line, and you never know what's going to happen if he's going to come out the other side. Like that's a lot of the linemen laying on top of you too in the pile. Yeah. Like wide receivers. If a wide receiver got caught underneath the pile of a line, they'd be hurt. Yeah. Well, that their 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 equipment isn't set up for that. They don't wear equipment. Yeah. A lot of them don't wear knee pads. And look, and you look at the defensive side of the ball too, corners and safeties, they don't really either because you it's about how fast and quick you can move. Mm-hmm. And if you're yeah. going to get hit, uh, maybe that one time you fucking get hit in the spot where you don't got a pad, big deal. You get a bruise, but you're able to run so fast without wearing pads on. Yeah. I mean, some of them don't even wear the thigh pads. Yeah. Like, they are there... thigh pads or the knee pads. Yeah, they they're very nothing. they're very small. Like, they're not even, like, the actual, like, pads that go into your pants. They're it's just, like, like the, sh- the compression the, short The ones compression that shorts have, that yeah. have the little, yeah, that's that's all what most of them wear, really. And that doesn't stop shit. No, that's, yeah, that doesn't really do anything. Because I know when I was in high school, we weren't allowed to, we weren't allowed to do that. We had to wear the, like pads in our pants you had to have the knee pads the thigh pads the fucking hip pads the tailbone, tailbone pad. pad yep yeah you had to have them all you couldn't wear it there and then you could wear like the girdle underneath with the padding in it as well but you had to have the outside pads too like it wasn't an option to just do the the girdle one but i remember that shit weaving your pads through your belt loop yep. keep them in your pants yeah that was a and fucking puzzle putting all that slide shit all the way around and you'd have to slide your slide your hip pads back to the yep. spots <laughs> what a joke for yeah me. oh that's awesome but yeah um, i i just have two more real quick things on the nfl um michael thomas could miss they're saying potentially four to six games after he completes his ankle surgery uh just the other day so that's a guy who's I mean, unfortunately for whoever's getting that starting QB job, they're not going to have him day one. Um, who knows, obviously. But they're saying he could miss some games. Uh, how fast he gets back to full strength is kind of up in the rehab process. So it'd be good for him, you know, in the Saints team if he was there week one. But if not, 
he's kind of been dealing with this for, I feel like for a long time and not really getting anything done. And it's good to see him finally get the surgery, heal up to hundred percent and come back as he's one of the top receivers in the league. Yeah. It doesn't make it. What doesn't make sense. It says the, the end of June, he got his surgery. Why he waited that long to get the surgery. You think he, the saints were out in end of January. So you think February, he would have had that surgery done to where he could be running routes again, like at Maybe this he time. Didn't know if he wanted to play since Drew hung it up. Yeah. that I guess I didn't think of that, but. Yeah, you're waiting to the end of June. You're having a surgery that you're going to be out for a couple months. Like, you're not setting yourself up for <laughs> coming back to start the season if you're waiting that long. Sounds like a guy that just wants to skip some OTAs and training camp. Yeah, <laughs> that could be too. Because the Saints, they probably don't give a shit what he does. As long as he shows up and plays, they probably let him do whatever they want. Yeah, whatever he wants. So, pretty much. It's like, yeah, I'll schedule this right up to the last date that I possibly can to get back in time for the beginning of the season, but I just don't want to do any training camp or mini camp or none of that stuff. And it's like, okay. Yeah. And then the last thing that I had was Michael Kendrick's linebacker, uh, former linebacker of the Seattle Seahawks. He was sentenced to one day in jail and three years probation after uh, claiming guilty to an insider trading case back in 2018. He wants to rejoin the NFL. He says that he's been staying in shape. Uh, he wants to be a linebacker and wants to play a key role for a team on defense. So it's going to be interesting to see if anybody rolls the dice and picks him up as he was a hell of a linebacker when he played. Yeah, I mean, it, it'd be a good move for anybody to kind of have that kind of, um, again, that leadership role. It's rare to see those guys, those guys that stick in the league for that long. So so long as they stay healthy and can, like, not, in a lot of cases, you you bring a guy like that on your team, not because you're expecting him to lead the team in tackles and um, be the be out there for 100 percent of snaps on the field. You look to bring that guys like that in just for a leadership role, for that charisma in the locker room. In a lot of cases nowadays. Well, Andy hasn't played the last two seasons, so he's probably super healthy, not taking all that the blows on the body that he would have taken if he would have been playing. So he's probably in better shape potentially now than he's ever been in his entire life. Yeah, probably. Um, kind of, I guess sticking with the linebacker position, one of the last points I have here is uh, just within the hour, the Dolphins have signed – uh, linebacker Shaquem Griffin to a one-year deal. Um, he was previously with his brother in Seattle. So, um, again, one of those feel-good stories of his, his journey to the NFL. For those who don't know, with his, his missing one hand from birth, um, and still still being a professional athlete at the at the highest level. So. Uh, shout out to him for getting his deal there. Uh, again, another one-year deal. Everybody's going to be getting their payday next year. Yeah, and some more breaking news that just came out. Um, Rick Dennison is now out as Minnesota Vikings assistant coach after refusing COVID-19 vaccine. Hmm. So, looks like this is a guy who's willing to lose his job for not getting the vaccine and... Holy shit. I can't believe that it's already starting now. So what the the NFL gave him the boot or the Vikings gave him the boot? I'm looking right now because it literally just. As you're refusing vaccine, he's out. Served as the Vikings O-line coach or uncoached the past two seasons. All the vaccines required for all tier one staff, including coaches, front office, executives, equipment, or scouts. Players are not required to receive the vaccine, but will face protocol. In the memo released by the league, NFL said any unvaccinated tier one staff member must provide a valid religious or medical reason for not receiving it. Losing tier one status prohibits coaches from being on the field and blah, blah, blah. Hmm. So this is something he knew. They probably just before as training camp started, they probably just went through a checklist of, oh, making sure everybody's got the vaccine. And he's like, no, I never got it. And they're like, well, either you're getting it today or you're out. And he's like, fine, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, it looks like they just hired. Um... 
Phil Rauscher has been promoted from O-line coach to fill the position, and they hired Ben Steele, uh, who's the Auburn's special teams analyst in 2019. So, yeah, looks like here's the first ousting, and I bet there will be plenty more to come by the time the season starts. Yeah, especially if, like I said, if this is kind of like a checklist for teams reporting to to training camp of – seeing who's got the vaccine and making sure everybody's to the NFL standards where you're going to have more coaches show up that didn't get it. (laughs) And then they're going to be out too. So yeah, it's going to be a mess. That's for sure. That's all I got. Yeah. I got two more things here. One being uh, the box received their Super Bowl rings yesterday. Um, Again, year after year, the, it seems that whoever puts them together, I can't remember if it's Justin's or what ring company does it, but um, it seems like they want up it every single year. And this year is the first remo- uh, removable top. And on the inside, it has like a replica of Raven James stadium and all the scores of the playoffs from um, the season. Um, and then it's kind of cool reading of all, all the different sides Four four diamonds represent this 31 re- diamonds represent this. Yada, yada, yada. Um, it was kind of funny watching uh, when Brady opened it. He was when he opened it, he was looking over at his teammates because at that point it's the seventh ring where he's probably enjoying more the reaction of his teammates getting a ring than looking at it himself. So, um, yeah. And then the last point for today, kind of ending on some sad news, uh, we had talked about earlier this week of Jets assistant coach Greg Knapp um, being struck by a car while riding a bike in in California earlier this week. And he had passed away either last night or this morning due to his injuries. So last night, unfortunately. So big loss for the NFL and the Jets organization there. Um, we saw all the posts and stuff yesterday. Um, all the players and stuff who've had him as a coach, all the people who reached out and said tremendous things about the guy, uh, unfortunate, series of events to have to happen like that yeah and unfortunate for the guy who was in the car um again to my understanding he's been cooperating with authorities with the whole thing but unfortunately vehicular manslaughter whether it's intentional or not is what it's going to be so but yeah uh that's all i have for the nfl uh as well um I guess moving over to the uh, NBA here then, um, again, the finals are all done, so there's not going to be a whole lot to talk about. Basically, the only things to mention, again, um, are Booker, Middleton, and Holiday will be available for the USA opener on Sunday against France. Um, it'll be kind of interesting to see if any if any little tidbits come out about that flight over of Booker being a sob story, Middleton and Holiday kind of giving them shit. Um, what that how that whole flight's gonna go, and then I believe you had mentioned it um, earlier this week, but it became official um, yesterday as the Pelicans name former Suns assistant coach Willie Green as their next head coach. He was the expected guy, but it wasn't like because they were still in the finals. Obviously, you're not gonna have a guy like that worrying about where is he's gonna be the head coach of his next team when he's in the middle of trying to win a championship. So. The Pelicans officially name him as the head coach. Um, and yeah, that's going to be a big blow for the uh, Suns organization, especially losing an assistant coach along with potentially Chris Paul, if he's decided to go elsewhere as well. So um, yeah, those are kind of the only two points I had to throw out there for the NBA today. Yeah. I, I really didn't have anything on the NBA other than um, some of these young kids um, I saw the same like division that AAU stuff at LeBron's kid plays in. There's some kid that he was playing against that already has a seven figure deal for NIL and he's a senior <laughs> in high school. So we're going to start seeing high schoolers be millionaires here playing, playing hoops. Unreal. Oh, it's good. It's going down that fast where, like, yeah, just weeks ago, well, social media, look at how big social media is. The younger <laughs> you go, all these kids now, it's going to be a race. And I guess I can touch on that a little bit later, too, as far as Texas and Oklahoma leave wanting to leave the Big 12 and join the SEC. And mm-hmm. I'm, I believe that they're going to get full approval. I think it's going to go through this weekend uh, by what I've heard. 
and this is basically terrible for all college sports. Um, as it's going to be, there's going to be, we, we talked about this before. It's going to become a one super league or one, two super leagues. And it's going to be football, basketball, and that's going to be it. <laughs> and there's only going to be a handful of schools in it too. You know, it's not going to be yeah. every school, <clears throat> which is terrible. Cause like the big 10 is so competitive for so many sports. And now the sec is going to become a huge fucking super thing. And they're going to take all the recruits and all the money and all, you know, and it's, it's not right. Yeah. I mean, with those two teams leaving, it's basically going to dissolve the big 12. I mean, when you think of the big 12, it's, of the, teams left. of the power of the power five conference power five conferences the big 12 is probably the last one that comes to mind when you're listing them off behind the or acc the acc yeah but the acc is good at basketball yeah but then um but yeah when you think of big 12 first two th- teams you think of texas oklahoma and if both of those teams leave um i actually think the big 12 is kind of like the big 10 where there's not there's more than they have a Big Ten East and a West. I think there's actually like 16 or 18 teams. Yeah, because it. we had all these teams join our conference because all these other conferences folded. Yeah. You no, know, we had Maryland join. We had there's a handful of schools that we had join join the conferences and then they split it by location. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just they should just go back to how they were back in the day. Yeah. Especially now that they're expanding the college playoffs to 12 teams. Mm-hmm. Um why don't they make it or just strip the fucking divisions and just play the, the teams, you know, don't make it conferences. Yeah. yeah I don't know how they do that, but yeah, it definitely needs by to school get back population. to more. Do it by like school population and how much money you have. Cause like you could easily, instead of having Clemson, Alabama playing each other every single year for the national championship, if they're in the same conference, only one of those teams is going to make it to the, to the finals yeah where they're going to be all the best teams are going to be playing the best teams all season long to find out who really is the best team and not have a clemson who plays maybe two tough games a season fucking shit stomp everybody and you know what i mean like it's not fair compared to like look at the big 10 they play all those games are pretty much tough games yeah because like the fans and all that stuff same with the sec when you have like alabama auburn and all the like when the fans are really in it and i feel like bringing those top teams to play each other would just create so much more revenue for college football because you're going to sell out you know those are going to be the most televised watched games because they're already more watched than nfl games which is surprising but like but also there's hundreds more colleges than there are NFL teams. Right. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. Basically the, and that was one thing that was interesting too, that I never realized until I read about it is that there's like to watch basically 24 seven around the clock coverage. There's the SEC network, the ACC network, the big 10 network, the big 12 does not have a news network that covers that um, conference. So again, that's bringing that much less attention to it. All the people that want to make money want to get out of there because they, you know mm-hmm. now that there is money involved. Yeah, it's all, it's all about the money now. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next couple of years the Big Twelve Conference just completely dissolves. Um, when you have your two biggest teams that bring attention to that conference leave, um, it's not going to be long before the other ones leave. They're well, yeah. probably like the Pac-12 because. The Big 12 is a lot like of so, like South and West kind of teams, and that's kind of the Pac-12 as well. So um, I'm sure the Pac-12 would be, I guess, happy to see that the Big 12 dissolves and take on a, take a handful of teams in as well. Um, probably the SEC, too. Those are going to be kind of the two conferences that most of the Big 12 teams are going to go to. Maybe the Big 10 as well. I, I guess I don't know the exact location of all the schools, but – because they try to keep it time same time zone is yeah what they tried to do so dissolving the big 12 out to the pacific that'd be that'd be tough for travel and time wise because they get the mountains in the way and the time well, that's, difference. that's what the s well like texas oklahoma is a different time zone than like some of the sec schools on the east coast so that's going to be a time uh, time zone difference to yeah 
I mean, so long as they keep it within one time zone, that makes sense. Like, obviously, if like you I have, said, like, it is the SEC. It's the best college conference, you know, in yeah. the world for so they can do whatever they want. Yeah, exactly. Because like the Big Ten even has the hour difference. Play in Michigan. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that's uh, yeah, I had, we I had the NCAA thing down kind of towards the end of the day, but that we're kind of tying it in that way. So, um, I'll jump over to the MLB here then for a couple points. Um, kind of an interesting thing that the MLB is doing is they are set to be testing an electronic device that will allow catchers to give signals to their pitcher. Um, they're going to be testing it in either single A or double A games. Um, supposedly this is going to quicken the pace of play and help rid of sign stealing from opposing teams. So how exactly this device is, what it's going to do or how I, I haven't seen any like demonstrations of it, of how it's going to work. But yeah, anytime you bring an electronic device into a game that relies on human error, you're ruining the game. So, um, I mean, if teams want to sign steal, look at the Astros. You're going to deal with that for the rest of your life. Yeah, change your signs or let the other team be getting shit on for the next handful of years for cheating. So, um, yeah. That always was a part of baseball. I always miss that. Standing on second base and you're squinting in there to try to see what they're calling and then you're yelling it to the batter what, what they're throwing. It's like, that's a part of the game. Yeah. As a catcher, you got to hide mm-hmm. that, and as a pitcher, you got to figure out if they if they're getting on your shit. Well, in the MLB, game. it's so complicated how they fucking their signs they're giving are like five to ten seconds long sometimes. To where that's part of the game, though. You don't, in a lot, in a lot of it's, in a lot of it's like. Well, that's what I'm saying is you don't you don't see that anymore. To where like you're on base looking at what the catcher's doing. Half of the signs could be fake signs. To where like. Like oh it's gonna be a fastball inside inside and up like but the the catcher threw in a couple fake signs in there so it's actually a curveball or something so well, right know. and there's signs that they're giving to the pitcher's location as well it's not just the pitch it's the location yeah. as well because half the times they'll line up in a certain spot and the pitch is going somewhere completely different mm-hmm. so it's it's all mind games you know it's all mind games and why yeah. take that out of the game I feel like this like you said adding electronics to a game where it's relied on human error is ruining the sport. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Moving on to the next point here, then the Cleveland Indians are changing their name from Indians to guardians uh, starting with a 2022 season. So time. Um, I guess Redskins take notes. Uh, don't know why it's taking you umpteen million years to figure out a name, but the Indians figure figured it out in a shorter amount of time than you did. So um. The Brewers uh, start their weekend series with the uh, White Sox tonight in Milwaukee. Again, still hold, I believe, a six and a half or seven game lead in the Central. So they're still doing good there. Um, the Yankees uh, throw a game last night uh, relief or with a relief pitcher throwing uh, four wild pitches in the 10th inning, which allows a Red Sox rally and a five to four win. And then the last point for today in the AL Central, the Detroit Tigers are figuring things out as they are now riding a seven-game win streak into this weekend. Uh, they still sit 12 games back in the division, uh, but again, baseball is a long season and anything can happen so long as they keep winning games. So, um, yeah, the Tigers have been kind of an irrelevant team, but they're finding a way to win as of late. So just yeah, wanted to mention they, that. And they just lost one of their starting pitchers the other week for Tommy John. For the season. Oh, yeah. Who who was that again? Turnbull. Was it Turnbull? Turnbull? Turn. Oh, Turnbull? Yeah, I think it was him. Okay. I think, I, yeah, now that you mention it, I I think I remember seeing something about that. Yeah, that's all I had for baseball. Um, Heading over to hockey here then. Um, What's going on over there? Well, the NHL expansion draft happened the other night. Um, Seattle has announced their roster. Pretty solid roster. They took a lot of younger players when they were expected to take a lot of old veterans that were had a lot of money. Obviously, in a sport where salary cap is a you know, plays a big part of your thing, a lot of these teams kind of set their con set themselves up to where 
they had their superstars who are on high paying contracts that Seattle wasn't going to take because that's a huge chunk load of their salary cap that they're going to have to give up. So I'm going to say not as successful as a draft that Vegas had in their inaugural draft. However, um, who knows what a whole bunch of young kids can do together when, you know, when you're kind of becoming a group of misfits, teams that didn't want you, and who knows how good these young kids could stick it to the, you know, you never really know until you get out on the ice. So mm-hmm. shout out to Seattle, and it was kind of cool what they had. They had a lot of uh, <laughs> big-named players, former players, athletes from other professional sports teams in Seattle announcing their picks. So that was pretty awesome to do that. Um, Montreal Canadiens captain defenseman Shea Weber is out the entire next season due to injuries and his career may be over. Um, there's still more and more coming out day by day. I'm not going to get into the specifics on it because I really don't know. It like changes every article that I read on what I'm seeing. So it's kind of being behind closed doors, just saying it's almost like an undisclosed injury at this point. And yeah, he may never get back to good enough to be able to step out on the ice to play. So that's unfortunate if that was the last that we got to see Shea Weber losing in the Stanley Cup finals. But um, if that was hell of a career, man, and you're one of the best defensemen that I got to watch, you know, through the course of my time watching hockey. Two-time Stanley Cup winner Barclay Gaudreau signs a six-year deal with the New York Rangers um, after being traded from Tampa. Obviously, they had to get rid of a handful of players due to salary cap issues. He was one that they chose to get rid of the Ranger to the Rangers. Um, and then my Flyers get rid of Shane Gossespair um, for two draft picks to the Arizona Coyotes to free up um, about $8 million in cap space. Um I want to say thank you, Ghost, for what you've done for in Philly. I mean, your first couple of years, especially your rookie season, hell of a year. Uh, you led all NHL defensemen in points. Um, you did really well, and it was unfortunate to see you go through the injuries and the struggles and then kind of get, you know, ride the pine. But hopefully you had success in, in Arizona and go win a cup somewhere else if it's not with, you know, the Flyers. And then the last bit of news that I have here in the NHL, Michigan Wolverines hockey is on the verge of making NHL draft history tonight as they have three players, or not tonight, excuse me, um, next week. But they have three players who are looking to be selected in the top 10 when no college ever has had three players drafted in the first round. They're looking to have three players selected in the top 10 this this draft. So, um yeah, they've got a – it kind of works out when the United States Development Program team is based in Michigan, and uh, that's where you have all, like, the United States kids that – development kids that are there, and 90% of them go to University of Michigan because it's right next door to where they've basically been living and playing for their last three years. So congrats to the University of Michigan. Um taking on those kids you know the big 10 has been a big a lot of those kids end up going to the big 10 uh wisconsin michigan minnesota you have a couple that go out east and play boston college bu um but other than that the big 10 is a huge hockey hotbed for men's and women's um top hockey players in the country coming out of high school and going into college so Glad to see the Big Ten being a big factory of hockey players, and hopefully these kids have successful careers going forward and in the future. And that's kind of all I had. There's really not, you know, seasons are over. So many trades and stuff. I'm not going to bore you guys to death with all that stuff. So just wanted to touch on a handful of quick little things there. And, yeah, let's send it over to you here. Sounds good. Um, Then, yeah, wrapping things up here uh, for today – um, again, Friday being our feel good Friday uh, segment. Um, I'll start things off with you. What is your story for this week?
I kind of have two two quick things here. Um, two, I have two points for this Feel Good Friday. The first I'm going to touch on, Oklahoma State is inducting Barry Sanders into the Ring of Honor on November 13th. So awesome for him to get his due there. That's been a long time coming for him to finally get that. And then my main point was um, the Milwaukee Bucks winning the NBA championship and having the huge, you know, the Deer District out there partying along and everything going on. And then the parade yesterday um this has been a time in milwaukee county where um crime has been at the lowest that it's been all all year long and a lot of that i feel like has to go to everybody pulling together and you know kind of being on one team and rooting for the bucks and it's a good time when you see violence and crime really cease to stop when your local team wins a championship and i feel like that's awesome that everybody's coming together and hopefully we can can take this new era of being a championship, being a champion city. Um, hopefully we can keep that going and continue to keep everything, you know, make everything better day by day. Um, I feel like Milwaukee is such a great place and a lot of players love living there and being there who especially play there. And I feel like it could be such a, a great city and, Look at how great it was when everybody was celebrating and there was no crime, people being killed and stuff like that. So hopefully it'd be nice to see that, you know, to continue for the future. Yeah, I mean, it's just awesome in general to see a, low, a small market city of Milwaukee get it done. You t- you typically expect your, your New York City, your Boston, your Chicago, your L.A. Um, to be winning, winning all these titles because that's where all the players want to gravitate towards. So when you have a small market team like Milwaukee kind of put everybody else's shame. It kind of shows that it can be done elsewhere, um, which kind of plays into um, my feel good Friday story sticking again with the bucks, but more specifically kind of going into Giannis and Middleton's story. Um, Giannis Attentacumpo, uh, he delivers on a promise that he made eight years ago, uh, when he was a kid, um, his family got by selling, uh, their own goods and own belongings on the streets to get by, uh, the night of the NBA draft, Giannis would finally receive his citizenship, citizenship. Wow. That's a tough word, apparently into Greece, uh, which he would have finally allowed him to travel, which I didn't realize that that was kind of, that that was the thing when you don't have, when you're stateless, when you don't, you're not tied to a country, you're unable to travel because you can't get like a passport if you don't have a home country. So, um, he would have been that close to not even having an NBA dream because he would have been unable to travel. Um, so yeah, it's awesome to see the night of the draft that he, um, would be able to call Greece his home. Uh, Giannis and Middleton's rookie season, they amounted to just 15 wins the entire season. Um, to put it into perspective, they had 16 wins in this year's playoffs. Um, both players from that point on would develop their game to an all-star level. After an off-season transformation in his third year, Giannis took the league by storm, winning the most improved player award. Um, and just last year, he had the opportunity to go anywhere he wanted in the league to get himself a big contract and go to a championship team. Um, He would instead stay true to his promise and stay loyal to the city of Milwaukee as he and Middleton both decided it could be done in a small market uh, venue. And after eight long years for the duo and 50 years for the city of Milwaukee, a championship trophy comes home. So um, again, just kind of riding out the, the, the championship feels uh, for Again, being a long time coming, being a, a Milwaukee Bucks fan, just being a Wisconsin fan as a whole. The last championship that was here was in 2011 when the Packers won a Super Bowl. So it's been 10 years being a Wisconsin fan to be able to celebrate a championship trophy. So, um, yeah, again, it was fun yesterday being down at that parade, being able to experience that with, I don't even know what the final numbers were um, for how many people were there, but they had like 20, 30,000 just at the stage. And then how many ever thought, how many thousand downtown lining the streets as they paraded through town. So I saw estimated it was seven. They estimated between uh, 70,000 and a hundred thousand people. Yeah. I believe that it sounds, that sounds about right, but about, about a fifth of the city was there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a great way to ch- cap off a championship season. And like you were saying before, for Middleton and Holiday to be able to 
win an NBA finals and then a week or two later, go win a gold medal. That'd be, like you said, probably the best, best sports year that they've ever had in their life. So yeah, that's all I had for today. I'm kind of capping off uh, more of a lengthy episode that we've had as of late, but that's, I guess, a good problem to have. It means there's a lot of good things to talk about today. So yeah. Yeah, And and with the Olympics, you know, starting today, we're going to have, Full shows to talk about here going forward till basically this time next year. Because <laughs> yeah. it's the Olympics into ending of baseball, into football, into hockey and basketball again. Yeah. It's, it's, we're almost there again. So, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to September, October when it's football, ba- baseball, hockey, and basketball all going on at the same time. That's going to be probably best or favorite part of the year to be doing this show so yeah absolutely so thank you guys for stopping by don't forget to like follow subscribe to our social medias which you can find in the description link below check out our merch store don't forget to purchase some in a league of their own merch uh rock that shit around the world help support the name also on the apple google podcast don't forget to click the five stars helps move us up the chain um, for the algorithm, and you can just put that we told you to do that or we made you. It doesn't matter what you put in there. Um, and, yeah, we really appreciate everybody stopping by. Uh, we're glad to continue to keep doing this for you guys and continue to show up every Monday, Wednesday, Friday and do this for you. Um, hopefully, we will be back with an interview sometime soon here. I'm working on that. And then, um, yeah, hopefully it's uh, – hopefully – this next interview that we, if we can lock it down we'll, should be a good one for you guys so have a great weekend uh this weekend we'll be out competing i'll be competing in a golf tournament and i got my boy colin here on the sticks he's gonna be on my bag caddying for me so we will uh be back on monday to let you guys kind of know how that went and uh yeah see you on monday have a great weekend everybody